Welcome, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and we're going to be talking to Dr. Laura Perryman today on reevaluating the review on the OI show. Dr. Laura Perryman, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. For anybody that's been living under a rock for the last three years, can you please share with our audience a little bit of your background and, and really what you do on a daily basis? Sure. So um, Laura Perryman, Seattle, Washington. I am a board-certified ophthalmologist and cornea and fellowship-trained ocular surface disease enthusiast. <laughs> Some people call it expert. I just, I can't get enough of it. I think it's super interesting. And then uh, we have, I founded Perryman Eye Institute uh, June 5th of the pandemic. And less than two years in, we're just, uh, we're going great. Things are going great. We have a clinical research program, and our fellow is Dr. Sathi Maidi, and she is working on her FAAO. So I can't wait That's great. to go to the next AAO PT meeting. And I love that that tradition where you come out of the meetings on that first morning, that very first morning, between somewhere between eight and ten, they come out and they put all the names on the on the floor. And I just I think that's the neatest way to celebrate the accomplishments of our young colleagues. I just love it. So I can't wait to see her name on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you that is, um, it's interesting you bring that up going through that process. It's certainly, um, more in depth than you expect it will be. And it is something that you kind of earn your accolades going through that process. And I love how, um, Academy really recognizes those individuals. But that, that actually brings us up to the topic and the discussion that I actually wanted to pick your brain on a little bit here. Because again, and in particular, I, I know you spend a lot of your time in ocular surface disease. That's one of my passions as well, too. But it is becoming increasingly difficult to get through the mounds of peer-reviewed data that's actually out there right now. And you know, you attempt to stay as contemporary as you possibly can to give your patients the best clinical outcomes possible. But it is becoming increasingly difficult when you look at the number of publications that we have today compared to this same area of eye care 20 years ago. It's just it just totally exploded. So tell us, give us the secret, Laura. I mean, you seem to always be on top of the, the cutting edge technology on what's coming out, what's new. How, how does that happen? How do you do that? How does that happen? Well, it's uh, I have an insatiable curiosity. Like I love understanding how things work. And I stick with the problem until I've got it figured out. My two current projects are the ins and outs of vitamin A metabolism and, mm -hmm. you know, vitamin A itself, cis retinols, trans retinols, and why some are good and some are bad and its effects on the ocular surface. And then the other thing I'm working on is this neural inflammation story. So interesting based off of the TRP transient receptor potential um, it's a super family of receptors and it's conserved across basically in life on planet earth. Even, even nematodes have little sensors in their little noses as they burrow through there. So they can avoid noxious stimuli. So I just think that stuff is really fun and it has great relevance for what we do as ocular surface disease experts, but also a peer into what's coming down the pipeline. And there's some really cool stuff coming to directly address the TRP uh, superfamily neuroinflammatory picture of the ocular surface. So give us your perspective. Like, you know, you see something, 
coming interesting and it's it's coming out of the pipe, you start doing some research on it, or are you seeing it in the kind of publications that we have in eye care right now? Or what's your stimulus to get this new information? So I I guess I I cast a broad net looking for the information. Like sometimes it'll be, you know, scrolling through LinkedIn and like, oh, such and such company announces phase two A data. I'm like, what's this? And then I'll go digging into that. I'm like, oh, that's super interesting. And it has applicability mm-hmm. in XYZ. Or, um, so it could be as simple as that. It could be um, uh, I subscribe to Google Scholar and I have keywords typed in and I get a, I get a uh, list serve notification of the, fa- the right on the top, um, fresh publications. And uh, Scotty Schachter taught me that trick years ago and that's helped me stay just like super on top of what's coming out in the peer-reviewed literature and then there's fun social things like uh ocular service docs osd ocs on facebook um click request membership you have to tell us who you are because we're closed to industry only eye care professionals are allowed in so and that is great because then it creates a protective environment where we can really talk amongst ourselves and uh, explore some of these new ideas you know, it could be everything, anything from, gosh, you know, I've really tried everything on this patient. Does anybody have any ideas to my patients moving? Who do you know? And it's just an awesome community of everybody who's um, really invested in ocular service disease and really cares about it. And there's some just a lovely, generous people on there. And I, I just love that community. So there's lots of fun ways to do it. I, I think that that Facebook community is probably one of the most giving communities I've oh, seen. I mean, somebody that makes pops, me so some, happy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Somebody pops in a question, and I mean, there is cited peer review literature um, to, to explain whatever the the person asked about. So it is just this absolute because um, because we're in a labyrinth right now of information, and we're getting so much thrown at us, and sometimes it needs to be placed and put into context and. Um, your Facebook group does just that. I mean, it's, uh, it's open for anybody that's, that's again, looking for that, that kind of link, that piece to kind of connect it all. Because sometimes it feels like there's so many pieces to OSDI and there's all of this or ocular surface disease and there's so many different silos. And it starts, um, the more you communicate with colleagues, the more these silos start to, you realize they're not these independent silos. They're these silos that (laughs) kind of interact with each other. And and I, and I think it's beautiful to see that because again, when you're looking at all these technological advances from a diagnostic and a therapeutic perspective, I think every single one of them have a role in understanding how they interact with one another. So critical. Oh my gosh. You made my day. I'm so glad you appreciate it too. Like it's, um, yeah, everybody is really generous and good humored and, and giving of their, it's like, Oh, you know, this is how I learned the hard way. And they're just, there's just like, it's not a, it's just open and real and authentic and everybody benefits, especially the patients. And that's the best part, right? At the end of the day. Uh, that that's kind of why we're all doing it. We want better outcomes oh, yeah. for our patients. We want to solidify those that are good, but we want to take those ones that we know can be better, and we want to figure out ways to do that. Yes. Well, remember the perception um, before you went to medical school, where a doctor you just kind of assumed that they knew everything. You realize that kind of having this discussion that this is just the starting point. This is just like when you graduate. This is just the starting point on where you start really building your knowledge base into the specialties that you have passions for. So. 
It's lifelong learning. Absolutely. As I graduated from medical school, oh, I'm going to teach my patients so much great stuff. Guess what happened? They're the ones that taught me, right? That problem-based learning. It's like, gosh, I don't quite understand why this patient's not getting better. Something's amiss. I better think a little deeper and look a little harder, read a little more. That, That sort of objective learning, rather than just sitting down with a stack of journals, is going to make you an active learner. Yep. And that, and then that information sticks so much better and you're more effective that way as well. I, I couldn't agree with you more now. So, so this is actually the second piece that I want to talk to you about because sometimes, you know, so with, with any disease paradigm treatment regimen, you have successes, you have failures. And with some of these tougher cases, you kind of have to take a, a step back. Laura, did you want to maybe go over a case or two where you thought, I was going down the right path. This is what I was doing for this patient. It ended up totally reverting where I had like an eye-opening experience where it kind of shifted or changed my perspective, whether it be the access to new technologies, whatever it might be. Yes. So multiple cases of that, like here I am, you know, 25 years into my career and I'm still learning. That's, that's what makes it so fun to keep going to work. That's what makes it so fun to be focused solely on ocular surface disease. I'm still learning. Like what I've learned since I opened less than two years ago, focusing solely on ocular surface disease is awesome. So much fun. Um, but the first part of your question was. Oh, so, but, so, so case, give us a case where you like, sure. you're going down one path and you had to kind yeah. of rethink the case in order to get best clinical outcomes. Right. So here's a good story. Um, we, uh, a lot of people, um, recognize me as the the mother of using IPL for Shalasia, which is up to be a distinction, <laughs> but pioneered the work for using IPL to address Shalasia in a surgical injection drug-free way. And we have an IRB approved study. So got my first patient enrolled, all excited and did the treatment. And the protocol was to do it again in two weeks if it wasn't better. And it got better, but it didn't resolve like the way we were expecting it to. We were expecting, you know, 95% resolution. Okay. And I'm like, huh. So the study exited and I, you know, checked off my clinical research forms, whatever. And I'm like, come back for some more. Let's keep going after this. And then, uh, gosh, fourth visit? This thing should be gone. I've never had one persist beyond three. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. something's different. And so I stepped back and relooked. And this 110-pound, soaking wet, 40-year-old lady, I finally figured it out when I went to just do this floppy eyelid on one side, sleeps on the side of the chalazia. I'm like, well, hello. (laughs) So then I figured out floppy eyelid's a risk factor for non-resolution. And then I figured out another case. Demodex is a risk factor for non-resolution and we're going to have something available soon. We just finished the mm-hmm. F- phase three FDA studies uh, mm-hmm. for um, low to Lohner, which sounds to me like a Norwegian drinking chair, low to Lohner. <laughs> Especially when you pronounce it that way too, Laura. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Jake Wait, Lang and I will have fun talking are, about that. <laughs> are you making one of my Canadian heritage on that one? <laughs> <laughs> Super fun. So um, anyway, so that that uh, is going to be super exciting. Hopefully, um, it's twelve to eighteen months from being available for yeah. patients. Iron, I figured out uh, proximity to the lash line is another risk factor for non-resolution because you can't 
put the IPL on the lashes, you're going to lose the lashes. Mm-hmm. You can only get real close, right? Mm-hmm. So um, those are all things I've learned because of things I've missed. <laughs> That's great. I actually, it's interesting. Floppy eyelid syndrome is one of those things that. Um, it's interesting. It is. Because it's hard to explain to patients, like, isn't it? Uh, it is. And yeah. I always preface it with, um, this has the most bizarre name, but I'm going to tell it to you, then I'm going to explain it. <laughs> you apologize you. for the name of it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's nothing more demeaning. I, I, I think they couldn't have come up with a less sexy name for this uh, condition. Yeah. But it's, for, some, for some people, I mean, we identify it. And we're actually, you know, sending them for sleep testing. I mean, this is, oh, yeah. this is for some people, it just completely changes the quality of the life. Not totally. be, just because of what we see on the eyes, but I think it should be a part of every single eye care visit, avert the lids just to get a sense of what that elasticity is. Because mm-hmm. when you see it, you realize you just missed it because you didn't do a step. I couldn't agree with yep. you more. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you can't find what you don't look for. Um, Laura, listen, I, I could spend all day talking to you about this stuff. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. We're definitely going to have you back on the show. There's just too many things to talk about and too little time to talk about it with. But I think really the key takeaways are one, um, stay passionate with what you're interested in and make sure that you're looking into the peer reviewed literature and make sure you're staying abreast on those things that are changing. And two, I love your perspective about how you think differently about, um, about treatment and just based on those clinical cases and some of the things that you could even, I mean, provide us as, just a little bit of kind of clinical pearls and nuggets that help us care for our patients better. Yeah. And, and stay curious, right? I think that's the secret sauce right there is to just stay curious. When I was a resident, I wrote a, um, a case study on uh, floppy eyelid syndrome surgical technique. Mm-hmm. And that was way back when. And that's when I became familiar with the literature about the association with sleep apnea. And just I just keep grabbing. It's like a scaffolding that you start, mm-hmm. you start to fill in and before you know it, you've got a full structure and you can now decorate what's inside because you know more. So it's, it's just, it's a, it's fun how all these things come full circle. It is, but it's remarkable as well too. The more things you answer, the more you realize there's like three or four other questions that sprout up for every single one of those pieces. 100%. To get the answers too. And that's, that's, I'm in that that's, humble phase of my career where I'm like, I, there's a lot I don't know. <laughs> somebody, somebody years ago told me whenever you feel that you're an expert and you know everything, you're done. Because that's when you're, that's when you're done. You, you shouldn't be taking care of patients clinically because as soon as you stop asking questions, your learning phase is stopped and you're not going to advance yourself. And that's going to be nothing. To the, it's going to be to the detriment of your patients, unfortunately. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And you lose the fun factor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always it's always changing. And again, just mm-hmm. looking back in the last five years, what we're doing now compared to five years ago is like you look back and you think, wow, that was barbaric, archaic, however you want to describe it. It's just so advanced now compared to where we were five years ago. So it's an, And maybe that's another an episode where we talk about like, maybe we do like a little Star Trek. You know how like those writers like <laughs> somehow had somehow they had a preconceived notion of what an iPad looks like. I mean, that shit was, was steered by an iPad, right? We should do that. We should like totally just spitball, like what a five year, 15 year, 20 year landscape looks like. That'd be so much fun. Laura, you've already committed to another podcast and that is definitively (laughs) going to be our topic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, for being here. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the OI show.